This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series every Tuesday and Friday at 5pm. Our Tuesday shows, I'm joined by a guest that I'll introduce to you in just a second. But before we kick the show off, a quick shout out uh, to, of course, our LTA sponsors, Football Prizes, where there is an exceptional prize this week, which is a signed Kieran Tierney shirt with... Certificate of authentication. Uh, there's only a few tickets left, even though the, it ends on Friday and uh, it's sold out massively quickly this week. So there's only about 10 left members. I'll be revealing which one of our members has won the free entry on Friday as well. So make sure you get your ticket before they run out. Anyway, let's kick on with today's show uh, and move forward. I'm joined by Turkish. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, I'm good, Tom. How are you, man? Yeah, very good. Very good, thank you. Um, it's quite good to have you on the channel, I think, because I was just telling you off air that a lot of the listeners uh, have sometimes felt, whilst they're fantastic, obviously, the thing about the channel is it's quite it's quite a specific kind of view, uh, in a way. And a lot of the people that I surround myself on a regular basis also have kind of a very similar opinion and view as well. And it, as I said, I use the word echo chamber is probably the best way to describe it. And it's been good to kind of to branch out. Uh, I had a good chat with with Chig uh, yesterday, uh, Gunnar Eagle Eye, and that was a really good thing. So I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts about the club um, because I know that there are going to be some differences and just to kind of – um discuss those differences and why we have we differ in those areas so i mean for the listeners benefit it's probably best if we start to just kind of get your thoughts on kind of the situation the club finds itself in at the moment um my thoughts are you know this is pretty much expected i think um Mm. i know i was a staunch um advocate of moving on from wenger and even when I wanted to move on from Wenger, I always said, with this current board and ownership, I expect that we will fall down further before we pick ourselves back up. Now, 
did I expect to be 15th? Did I expect to currently be 10th or 11th? No, I think that's a bit too far. But at the same time, the reality is that we was always closer to this than being close to the title or challenging over mm. the last 10 years, in my opinion. We was always teetering on the edge of dropping out of top four and what impact that would have on the club because the club was self-staining, you know? A, a lot of us as fans even supported that method um, of running the business, running the football club, self-sustainability. Without Champions League football, that all unravels. And I think that's what happened in the end. So I feel like where we are is to be expected. And from my perspective, Tom, anyway. Mm. Yeah, I, I I, mean, it's very, ironically, very kind of similar to the view that, that I've got um, about where the club is and, and with the manager. And I suppose that's a good place to go on to next is is the job that Arteta is doing. You, you expected us to kind of not be yet pushing up and, and in and around the likes of United and City this season. Um, but what have you kind of made of the job that Mikel Arteta has done so far? Um, are we talking from his his appointment? Well, I suppose... In in the whole thing as a con in in context, the whole job so far we've we've obviously taken over in December. What he's done since Unai Emery yeah. moving through the summer window and where we find ourselves now, tenth, uh, eleventh in the table. Look, I, there's pros and cons for it, you know. And I think let's start with the pros. I feel like the last year of Arsenal have had, as bad as some of the results and form has been, I think we're a lot more resolute in our structure and organisation than we have been maybe in the past 10 years all around from top to bottom, goalkeeper to attack. I feel like transition's been a problem at times throughout that, but I feel like that problem was to be expected as well with the quality we have in the middle. So I think a big pro for Arteta is that we tend to fight and we tend to stick into games a bit more. Now, on the other hand, when we lose 1-0 to Man City, that's not me saying or me um, agreeing with fans that are saying, well, it's only 1-0, you know, we'll, we'll take that. We should never want to take that. But at the same time, realistically, no one even expected to be in the game in the 80th minute, let alone lose mm. it 1-0. So I feel like with Mikel Arteta, he's brought something there in terms of organisation and structure. That's definitely a big pro because that's been lacking at the football club for so long. We used to be bullied a lot. Troy Deeney's comments, for example, Patrice Ever over the years made comments along with other, other players about how to beat us and how it's men against boys or we lack cojones. All of these quotes were actually true, you know, as much as us as Arsenal fans, yeah. it, it was true. And I feel like the same cannot be said anymore. Does that mean the problems are fixed? No way, because yeah. form, it has been a problem. So that's a massive pro, the FA Cup, massive pro, because as much as the FA Cup isn't what it used to be, Tom, I love the FA Cup. The FA Cup is Arsenal. Arsenal is the FA Cup. That, that's, mm. that's our trophy, domestically, 100%. I, I, I always want to win that. And I think him pulling that one out the bag, massive pro, 100%. But at the same time, we've seen FA Cup wins blur our vision, under Wenger and that's what I wanted us not to f trip over at the same hurdle again and and have blurred vision in terms of what that FA Cup meant it meant it meant a trophy it meant success it meant have a good time but it didn't mean that the problems are fixed or the summer that we had would have been enough so two massive pros for Arteta there the transfers now I, I believe Mari is a pro um Partey Gabriel big pros Mm. Cedric, in my, in my opinion, is also a pro because long-term, next season, I'd see Cedric as a backup right-back yeah, to, to a new right-back. 
So I think as a backup, Cedric is a good signing. On the other hand, you have Willian. That's a massive, that's a yeah. massive one. And, yeah. you know, that probably balances it out, in my opinion, in terms of a Louise contract, not getting anything for Maitland-Niles, Eddie and Ketia, um, Lacazette's going into his final year. So, again, some of those problems are still around, but I don't put that all down to Arteta. Yeah. So I think Arteta overall, Tom, it's hard to judge for or against. So I'd say pretty much I'm banging the middle in terms of how I judge him so far because I don't feel it's fair for any of us to judge him at the moment. And that's not me protecting him or giving him an excuse. That's me being honest about any role in any business. If they're not getting adequate resources or tools, if the business is not running in a finely tuned manner, how much emphasis can you put on the manager with those tools, resources, with that history? I, I don't feel it's fair for us to judge, but as fans, you know, social media, all of that, that's all we do do. So, it's you know, it's hard. And I just think I'm banging the middle right now with him. Let's talk about Willian uh, briefly, because I think it might be a point that is a little bit of a cornerstone for a, a segue into the next conversation, because the summer, and I remember watching the video that you did uh, on AFTV with Robbie um, after the FA Cup final win, and mm -hmm. you spoke specifically about the summer window and how important it was going to be. So Willian's part of that summer window, which included, obviously, Runnison, who we, I suppose we failed to mention as well, which we look at him as kind of a third-choice goalkeeper. The club seemingly have put out that press statement saying he was a third-choice keeper, whatever. It's, it, it's, it is what it is with yeah. Runnison. Um, and then Gabriel and Thomas Partey come in as well. And we move out a couple of players, and then January comes along, but we'll talk about that in a second. The Willian situation is obviously interesting because it was the first one that we made he was the first signing that we made during the window before any money had exchanged hands between clubs and we brought the likes of Gabriel and Partey in so do you judge do you look at Arteta how, like, how much do you look at Arteta as an issue in bringing in Willian during that summer window Again, I'm again because of what I said about being fair on Arteta and being fair yeah. on the judgment. I'm going to look at this two ways. I'm going to look at it one way and say, coming to the end of the season, Arteta signaled to Edu that Willian is one of the creative attacking midfielders he'd like in the side for next season because he thinks he'll add quality. Season came to an end. The Brazilian link, all of that, Louise, all of that helped us get mm. Willian. But on top of that, a year extension on the contract that Chelsea were offering was also a sweetener. If that's the case, Arteta's fully responsible and Arteta should be criticised for that transfer because that transfer is going to hold us back two, three years down the line, let alone right now. On yeah. the other hand, Edu, the board, the owner might have turned to Arteta or the, or the owner to Edu and Arteta and said, listen, funds are tight this summer, COVID. We've only got this much to spend. You're going to need to use it wisely. Arteta and Edu have looked there and said, well, we need to get a centre-back, that's for sure. We need to get maybe another position. That we, we needed a few positions, to say the least, and midfield was definitely another one of those. The bulk of the cash went there, and then Edu and Arteta might have looked there like, well, there's a freebie down the road in Willian. Maybe he's worth a punt. And then if that's the situation, they're not to be excused. I can understand why they would go for such a deal, but three mm. years is unacceptable. The moment he wanted three years, we should have pulled out because Chelsea are not offering him that. Why? 
because they know the reality of that situation. For them, William will be a bench warmer for the next two years, provide depth and someone who cares about the club, loves the area. For us, he loves the area. He doesn't care about the club. The wages he's on will hold us back two years down the line. I wouldn't be surprised if we're being told we can only loan players because our wage structure <laughs> is yeah. doomed. And one of those key ones would be William two years down the line. So I think, yeah, both ways, Tom, I feel like I can understand it if it's from the top down, but if it's from bottom up and Arteta making that decision, I, I, I'm completely against it and it would make no sense to me at all. So let me give my kind of thoughts around the Willian deal and as to why it sort of happened. It links into kind of the ownership. It links into kind of what Edu and Arteta felt that they had to work with financially throughout the summer window. They're in a situation where the pandemic hits. So the window, what we expect we might have been able to do, we're not able to do for that reason. We Feel free to interject at any stage. But like we know that there would have been a plan pre-COVID for what was going to happen during this summer window. Yeah. And the money that we managed to still spend, and we didn't make a lot of money during the window through player sales or anything, but the, so that was not really kind of buffed. Emmy Martinez was the only real major sale that we were able to do. And then you've got a situation of maybe getting a wages off the wage bill of Saliba going out on loan and other players going out and loan fees, but it's very minimal. We, we look at bringing William because I see that as Arteta knew that the players that we were going to invest in, the positions that we were going to look at investing in was going to be for the spine of the team, which is one of the big kind of pushes and positives I look at Arteta is that he's come in and is the first manager in the last decade to identify we actually need to upgrade the centre-back and centre-midfield position with quality, which is what him and Edu worked together to do by bringing in Gabriel and Partey. So they're the positions that they believe they were going to invest in. They're, they know that also they want to add something in the final third because of, from what we've seen of Pepe, he hadn't really done enough maybe to convince Arteta that he was going to be a £72 million player. The price tag isn't Pepe's fault, but it's just the reality of the situation. He gets told that Willian is available on a free or a free, whatever you want to call it, with the signing on fee and the wages, etc. Um, and that we can get it done and that he comes in. I obviously believe that the three-year deal is a big problem and that apparently it was the only way that he was going to choose Arsenal was that if we offered the three years because if we'd have offered the two years like Chelsea you would have just gone straight to Chelsea supposedly I I have a little bit of forgiveness for that because of the fact that I felt the club weren't giving Arteta and Edu the financial capabilities to go out and spend more than what they were going to be able to do with Gabriel and Awar slash Partey, which ended up being Partey in the end. So do you think there's kind of an element of uh, reasoning behind the fact that we did go for Willian in that sense? 100%, Tom. I mean, when I said like, I, I can look at it both ways, I think the way you're looking at it is like, is like the latter way I suggested that he was pretty mm. much backed into a corner with funds available to him in the summer. He decided, like you said, work on the spine, Gabriel Partey and do what he can with the rest in terms of free transfers, yeah, the signing on fee and whatnot, but there's not as much outlay on Willian yeah. as would be on another player who you're spending actual fee on. So I think, you know, like I said, that is definitely one of the ways we can look at it. And if I know this board and ownership, like I think I know this board and ownership, that is the way I would look at it. But, yeah. that, that, but I'd be foolish to then completely dismiss the other way. That's why I'm pretty much 80-20 in favour of the way you're looking at it because of the way I look at the ownership and how they've handled business. And even if you look at Thomas Partey, for me, that transfer as a player, amazing. I can't believe we got a player of his quality and at his level 
um, to come to Arsenal in the situation we're in. But leaving it till the last day tells me that Stan Kroenke didn't really have much intention of actually providing yeah. that extra burst required. So then that will have an impact on what I think about the Willian and have an impact on why I tend to agree with you there and say, well, I don't think the owners actually gave us enough this summer to, you know, do what he actually wanted. So I'd agree with you on that one. Let's talk about the ownership then, because it's a really difficult topic. Um, because I suppose when it comes to like the ownership, especially around Arsenal, there's so much that we in how I believe that we don't know and that we don't know the financial injection. We, we get told through the sources. I mean, the Athletic reported that supposedly the Cronkies helped out with the Partey deal, that they supposedly helped out with the financing in the Pepe deal in the previous summer window. And as someone that has, and I mean, I, I hate to bring this side of things up, but I remember when the We Care Do You campaign began. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and I actually look back on that with embarrassment that I was involved in that situation and that I supported that situation because of the way and with what happened afterwards, effectively, and that it basically became a crowd of people looking for how I feel, having now left that group, looking for the credit of being the people that tried to take down Cronky or tried to make change. And when change came, it was all about them taking credit for that change happening. Yeah. The... What I do see, though, is that I've seen kind of a change in the ownership from my perspective. With the Pepe funding coming in, with the Partey funding coming in, I don't look at that as something that we had previously under Wenger or the first season under Unai Emery that wasn't there. Um, and that maybe now that there is a slight change, maybe, I, and you'll be able to tell me, am I being a bit of a fool for trying to be, I suppose, coerced, persuaded, having the wall pulled over my eyes, being told that there's this investment going into these players that I might look to next summer and next in this summer 2021 window, I look at arguably the most important window of Arsenal's last 20, whatever, 30 years. We say that every window, yeah, but yeah. it still feels that way. Um, so how do you feel about that? How do you, do you think there is an element of me and others maybe being convinced that it is something that it's not, or is there actually any substance in them changing their ways? Honestly, when we signed Pepe, yeah, if you had asked me one attacking player I would have liked that season that's attainable for Arsenal, it would have been probably Nicolas Pepe. You know, I said mm. it in various videos before we signed him because I thought that's a talent. When we pulled out of the bag, I was happy, you know. Was I, was I lost in terms of thinking that we have turned the corner? No, because the 72 million is 72 million, but this is coming off the back of years of um saving money in a sense yeah. at Arsenal. Years of cash on summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Years of cash reserves that seem to be yeah. going unnoticed and whatnot. So down till this summer that just gone, I think that was Cronke's first financial input of his own back into the club, which I believe was around 20 million for the Partey transfer. That mm. showed me that the Pepe money was money that the club generated or had already on board. And okay, it was freed up. But it seems like if that's the case, it was pretty much in the back pocket for a time like that. That money doesn't need to be in our back pockets at Arsenal. We waited as a fan base 10 years, 15 years now on, on promises they made. They shouldn't yeah. be keeping things in their back pocket ready to, ready to play in terms of even with things recently, with Arteta and Edu. In my opinion, he, Tom... 
an inexperienced manager shouldn't have been the manager we went for at that time. Would you agree mm. with that? So I look at this in two ways. I look at that and go that there's the argument to say that an experienced coach to take us forwards was a completely legitimate, level-headed decision to make in that moment. And that if we'd have got Ancelotti, I would have been fully open to the idea of Ancelotti coming in and taking over a, a manager that has won the things, taken clubs forward at the top, top level. But I also looked at that from a different perspective and went, we are at the lowest point I can remember. And if we go for Mikel Arteta here, we've got an opportunity to start what has ironically now become the, the, the tagline of, of a process. You've got a young guy that's come in. You've got a guy that knows the club already. People have kind of wanted more connection with a, a coach and the club and, and getting more kind of ex-Arsenal into the team a little bit more. And you can bring kind of through the youngsters with him and he knows the club and he's got really good kind of pedigree and he's highly recommended and all of this stuff. So I was open to both lines and I was going to support whatever line that we went down, but I was open to the idea of it. But I completely understand the point of view that we are at the lowest point we've been in a very long time. Maybe a really experienced manager is the right guy. I struggle with the argument now because obviously it's happened. Like yeah, and we can't yeah, go back yeah. to that stage. But yeah, I get what you mean. I just felt like, again, and I brought that up because I feel like that was something in their back pocket, thinking that, okay, if, if shit hits the fan again, let's pull out a couple ex-Arsenal players, Arteta, Edu, let's put them in prominent positions. The one thing that worries me, we spoke to three Arsenal, um, we, we spoke to three people associated with Arsenal in the past year, 18 months. Yeah. We, got, we got two of them, Arteta and Edu. The one that worries me is the one we didn't get and why we didn't get him, and that's O'Leary. We didn't get him... Because he cares about the club enough to challenge. He cared about the club enough to ask to be on the board. And he was yeah. denied that. Now, that worries me in terms of how I might look at Arteta and Edu and how I can't fully say that I am on board with them because they might just be a new cover for the same package, if, in a sense. You know, it, yeah. we, go for, we go for the... It, it's sad to say, but Wenger was a puppet in the end for Kroenke, you know? In my opinion, Emery actually stood up and said, we haven't got no transfer funds in January. That's the first time we heard that from an Arsenal manager before because Wenger used to tell us we have it, but we'll only spend it on... Well, if we find something, we'll do it, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Emery came out first few days of January, said, listen, we haven't got no money. We can only loan players. I know Denis Suarez will try and see what we can do. <laughs> Run, <laughs> honest, you know, and yeah. that was refreshing. And then the summer came and he wanted Partey, he got... Well, that, that was the summer before Partey. He got Torreira. He wanted Zaha. He got Pepe. Apparently, he wanted Maguire and who, a couple other players that he didn't get. And I think to myself, I can't call Emery a puppet. But Arteta saying that he was backed in the summer just gone, I think that he has to be careful with his words because he's on the verge of, you know, being over too much on that side. If he cares yeah. about us, this is where Wenger lost it because Wenger at one point must have cared about the fans, but in the end, it became more about him and the, him versus the fans. Do you and think? I, do you, sorry, I just want to press you on that point. Do, do you think there's an element though that I know that we want to have this idea of a manager that is obviously going to think in the way that a lot of us fans think that we've got to challenge the we've got to challenge the ownership. We've got to get people in that are going to go. Look, we need money. If you want us to compete with the cities of the world, you need to give us this money. <sighs> In my, I'm trying to look at it from the, the, the context I always do by taking a step back and looking at the whole situation. I can't see a realistic situation where anyone could ever come in under the Cronkies and go, look, you need to 
like you need to give us the money and i can't yeah. see them unleashing the, the purse strings in that sense so yeah. do you think there is ever gonna be under the cronkies a manager that doesn't necessarily have to act or in a way that arteta is acting so i think arteta in a way has to put on a certain facade if anything in order to to, to be that manager at the club in a way yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not one of the um like I'm not one of the fans that will discredit a man for trying. You know how some people yeah. say Arteta only took the job because and art and Emery only took the job because they took the job because they thought they could do it, you know? Yeah. And and Emery didn't. Arteta at the moment we don't know. I won't discredit someone for that. I just feel like if we cut to the bottom line, Tom, will we win a league title under Cronke? The answer is no. No, we won't. So you're right. It's, you know, talking about managers in, in a sense doesn't really matter much at the moment. Yeah. Talking about the players doesn't really matter much at the moment because none of that will change in, in the way we want it to really change unless from above that changes. Look at Liverpool, for example, Tom. Yeah. They have problem with their owners now because they look at their last couple of windows and say, hold on, we was winning Champions League, a league title, a, a challenge the year before, and we didn't really adequately you know, flex our muscles in the transfer window to keep us on top of maybe where we should be. Obviously, injuries and personal issues this season has been, you know, completely something that we haven't seen before for Liverpool. So that's had a yeah. massive impact. But their owners didn't really change their ways. Suarez was sold and Rodgers didn't use the money well. Coutinho was sold and they had Klopp. Klopp used the money well. Right man, right time. And he managed to shrewdly utilize the money and resources he had to build a team capable of what he built in the last three years. Now, yeah. managers like Klopp and, and luck like that to get it right time, right man, doesn't happen very often. And Arteta might be that right man. I definitely don't think it's the right time because of the owners we have and, and the fact that at least Klopp had assets. We don't have assets. Klopp had people... Well. We didn't have assets. We do now in the yeah, Saka, yeah. Martinelli, Emil Smith, Rotini. But there are assets that if you ask each and every one of us fans, would we want to see sold in the next three years? No way. So if we don't want to see them assets sold, we need this ownership to come up with money and come up with a strategic plan to rebuild this squad without touching those assets. Or yeah. two years time, Tom, we'll be doing a video talking about should we be selling Martinelli? Should we be selling Saka? Well, the thing is, is I look at I look at that and go, I don't think Martinelli is going to be here in the long term. That's my honest view of the situation. Yeah. I feel like Saka probably will come through at Hale End. He's got the attachment to the club. It's there. I look at Martinelli as a player, amazing product, amazing talent that is coming through. But he just stinks for me as a player that is going to be sold down the line by Arsenal for a big fee because that's that's the situation the club is in under the ownership that we are in, and. <sighs> You, like you're 100% spot on with the ownership in the sense that are we going to win a Premier League 99% sure that we're not going to win the Premier League title under the under the current Cronky ownership whatsoever. I look at the way that, and that's why I also have a lot of kind of more sympathy and a lot more leniency for the, this season that we're experiencing under Arteta because I look at what the process is. I look at what Arsenal needs to be under Arteta and there isn't enough evidence for me in this year that we've had him to say, no, he's not the right guy because I've seen him do different things to the previous coaches that we've got as in identifying the right players, the right positions that we need to upgrade on, improving us defensively against the top six sides, et cetera, et cetera. 
we won't know, I don't feel, for another year if this is actually working in part of through next season. If we get a year down the line and it's not, and we've strengthened again in the summer of this window coming up, then we'll be in a better place. But the thing is, Arsenal are in kind of the bracket of clubs under the ownership that they've got, which is ironically, I include us in the bracket, which includes Liverpool. Because Liverpool don't have an ownership that pump money in like Chelsea and City and United. Liverpool are a club that rely on smart recruitment, smart selling, and then a manager that can identify the right players as well and then bring all that together. That is what Arsenal need to be. And unfortunately, the narrative that is kind of peddled in a way on social media is that Arsenal have spent loads of money. We've competed with Chelsea in our spending. But the thing is, yeah, in terms of raw spending, we've competed. But in intelligence in the market, we've come nowhere close to other clubs in the Premier League. And that's why we are where we are. And that's why I've got a lot more sympathy because Arteta's working with a squad that has been poorly put together and he's now got to do a huge job along with Edu to change that with an ownership that aren't going to give you the funds to do it quickly. And the fact that we can't do it quickly and you've now got clubs like Everton that are going to get money pumped into them, Aston Villa are getting money pumped into them, and not only are they getting money into them, they're then spending the money they've got very smartly on the right players. And Arsenal aren't going to be able to catch up in time at the moment. I, th- I think, uh, was it a few weeks ago that we read that Arsenal have a net spend of, was it 260 mil in the past five yeah. years? Now, if you look at it like that, because the way the article was put, it was 260 million deficit. And when you use words that deficit, it makes the statement sound worse than it is. Now, people just need to take a step back and understand 20, 260 million net spend over five years is 10 transfer windows. You break that down, that's 26.25 million a window. Look at where we was and, and, and ask yourself, is 26.25 million per window enough to kick us on to where we should be now or is where we are now expected? It's expected. 26.2 million a window gets you nothing. And people yeah. can compare it to Chelsea. Where were Chelsea five years ago in and around title races? It's easier to rebuild squads when you have people that have challenged in and around races played in Champions League, it's it's easier to rebuild in that stage. The stage we're at, you can't compare to that. The stage we're at as fans, I believe we deserve a bit more onus and aggressiveness from this board and ownership because we've been patient. Tom, we're called some of the most impatient fans, but we're we're not. We've been the most patient fans, if you ask me. Yeah, the most frustrated fans. Yeah, Yeah, we're the most frustrated now because we've been the most patient and now we're the most hurt. Because we've gone through patience and we've gone through frustration. Now we're just hurt at what the club has become, you know? Let's not forget, as fans, we was arguing seven, eight years ago about Usmanov and why he's wrong for the club. How <laughs> yeah. wrong that was, you know? How wrong that was. And at the end of the day, we as fans still argue about, in my opinion, the wrong things. But that's all we can do because that's all there is. There is no debates like this, you know, every day about Kronke or every week about Kronke. There is about Arteta. There, yeah. there is about maybe Edu sometimes more often than not over Kronke. There's not enough onus on the ownership from any side of the Arsenal fan base at the moment, whether it's the YouTube side, the Twitter side, the people that don't have the internet side, the match-going fan side. There's not enough. And that's why we are where we are. It's interesting then to to talk about, because I want to play devil's advocate in a way, obviously, and especially, I know there's a lot of people in the chat box that are asking questions and, and saying things about like the manager and some of the mistakes that he's made, even under this ownership, and that under maybe a different, more experienced manager, which is the point you brought up earlier, that we would be in a different position in the league. I... I look at the season, just to put my point of view across again, I look at the season, I think there's been so many mitigating factors to Arsenal this season. 
it gets peddled to me in, in the, the kind of the, the what, fro- what is thrown at me is that I'm making excuses. I don't see it as making excuses for some of the things that have happened to us this season. I am 100% sure if a fit, world-class Thomas Partey is available for us for the whole season, we are in a better position in the league. We don't lose games. We don't drop points that we've dropped this season with Thomas Partey playing consistently. Some of the games that we've lost have been through absolutely fine margins. I mean, the, the home game against Leicester when we were wrongly ruled out of the first goal against a side that just sat back and defended and hit us on the counter for one goal. If that goal from Lacazette is rightly given at the start of the game, that's a different game. If the Wolves situate, if we win the Wolves game, we're sixth after that match in the table. And yeah. I don't imagine we go into Aston Villa with the same broken mindset and we don't make that mistake at the start. Of course, it's all hypothetical. On it's It's all imagining things. But it's also, I think, very fair points of view. But there is an argument to say that he's been too loyal to Willian at times. He's made some strange lineup decisions. He's made the wrong substitutions at points during games. So what do you make of the argument then that, and that, as you said earlier, had we have gone for an Ancelotti, had we have gone for an Allegri, a more experienced coach, would we be better off, do you think, than we are right now? Or is the, the hamstring that we've got with Arteta would it be barely any different with the competition that's in the Premier League? Nothing is guaranteed, Tom. That's why, you know, when Emery was under all sorts of pressure, um, I only turned around and said, you know, Emery needs to go because someone became available. I'm not too sure what you think about this someone, but that someone was Pochettino. And the way I looked Mm. at Pochettino is, we just talked about Klopp and him being right man, right time for Liverpool. You could say the same for Pochettino and Tottenham in terms of what he brought them from and to with the resources and tools that he had, which were pretty much worse off than Arsenal's, I feel like at that stage, there was a manager that I identified that I thought could work well under this owner, could work well with his hands tied behind his back. So that was the manager I wanted. That was the type of manager I wanted, someone that has done it before with his hands tied. Because at the moment, I can see a lot of the chat saying it. We don't really have much hope of getting rid of Kroenke because... At the moment, we're two years into making loss and it doesn't seem like he's even entertaining the idea of selling us. So it's only going to get worse. But yeah, I I just think all round, Tom, yeah, with with Kroenke, it doesn't really matter if we had an experienced manager either because if we got an experienced manager here under Kroenke, I fear that that experienced manager might just be here for the money because they wouldn't be here for the ambition from the owner and, and where this club is going or have been going. Um, when Angelotti went to Everton, I don't know how you felt, but I thought to myself, I looked at Angelotti's last you know, stint at Napoli, I thought, oh, maybe he's just you know, 10 mil, 11 million a year. Maybe he's just going for a nice little final payday and he's going to enjoy himself and, and keep it moving. How wrong I was. You know, he's still got the fire that burns inside mm. him. He's trying you know, Everton might not make it to where they want to make it to, but you see a direction there because Usmanov funding Mashiri moving the club forward. So I think it just goes... Every argument we have, Tom, it's going to go back to one man. And I'm, yeah. only, I'm only here for debate. Like, I'm only here for that man because I've talked about Ozil enough, Bellerin enough, Mustafa, <laughs> so, Tom, yeah. all of these lot enough. Arteta, Wenger, Emery, I've talked about them enough. But we as a fan base haven't talked about Kronke enough. It's a really difficult question to put to you then. What what do we do? Like, what what do we do? Because I am very much a person and I, 
not a revolutionary, not anything like that, not a throw my fist up in the streets sort of guy. And I don't, I don't believe that there is too much a fan base can do to move on a uh, an owner in 2021 because they are so powerful. They have such little care about what people's opinions are and that there are too many out there that will continue to go to games, continue to buy merchandise, people that, are, um, that aren't in the UK that will buy merchandise because it's the way that they connect to the club is through buying that merchandise and fair play to them. But I don't see there being a way of moving them on besides another very rich person coming along and putting down the money that Stan wants. And <laughs> there's no guarantees that they then come along and do a better job. So what, how do you change this? What's the, what's the thinking behind that process? Um, I think a few years ago, I had faith that it could be changed. I had faith that fans might align. I had faith in We Care Do You, but as we mentioned earlier, you know, the less the bad, the better. I think as a fan base, there's too much division to, to unite. I think that's a given now because I've tried to entertain the idea. We're not uniting as a fan base, but we can align. And by aligning, you can apply pressure. But that pressure doesn't mean he will sell or he will act. I doubt he would. Um, Mo, I was speaking to Mo the other day, and Mo mm. made a good point about the Super League being around the corner potentially. Obviously, yep. Kronke was a part of those plans. And if you look at... Kronke's investment into Arsenal, it was more or less us investing into Bitcoin or something along those lines. It's a stock market. Um, it's, it's shares. He bought Arsenal. Over 10 years, we fluctuated because of TV deals with Europe and all of this. We tripled, quadrupled in value without even him touching you know, the club. So 10 years later, he's looking at the club, the valuation. He's thinking, maybe I don't need to focus on them. He's focusing on his other ones in America. That's fine, you know. Mm. Um, but at the moment, you know, that lack of focus has led us to a loss making company. We're a company to him, to me and you, Tom, it's our football club. To him, it's his company. At the end of the day, we're making loss now. Two years running a loss, we're going to make a loss three years running next year, December, guaranteed. That's three years in a row we're making loss for the first time since moving out of high, even before then. We've gone from top five globally to top 20 globally, you know. Tottenham are in and around the same commercial revenue at the moment, which is which is a complete and utter joke. And they'll go up because of the stadium yes, as well. And, yeah, and the names that are in and around the club, because even Jose, mm. in terms of him not working out, and I love that, <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of built on their foundation in a sense of the type of manager that they might be able to attract name-wise. Now, with us, I think the European Super League is massive. Because if we if if that is true and that happens, Kronke quadruples his investment again, and we are doomed. We are doomed. But if that falls through, then is there a light at the end of the tunnel financially at Arsenal in terms of another burst like the TV revenue did in the last mm. ten? I don't think so. But Tom, I can't answer your question because we have to just cross our fingers and hope that yeah. one one day he turns around to Josh and says, Josh. I've had enough of Arsenal, mate. That you know, time to sell it, and then we've got to hope that the one that buys it is someone like maybe Roman or someone like Usmanov. Maybe not financially appeasing, but someone who wants to win. Do you have any faith in Josh out of interest? Because obviously, you look at those two. Like Stan is the overall owner of the club. Josh, I look at as basically just young Cronky. Um, this this in and around the team. 
I do have a sense of that he does like care about the club and that he he supports the team and he wants the team to do well. But I don't look at him as as anyone with real any real power. He's basically the messenger between what happens here and then going back to Stan. But, yeah, and eventually, as is what happens in families of very rich ownerships, that does pass on and that will pass on to Josh. So, do you think there's any legitimacy behind the thing to say? If Josh eventually takes over the fortune, then we might be in a better position or no. Nah, I think they're all part of the same problem, you know? Yeah. And I think I look back at that Josh be excited and, and and around that time. And it felt like to me, and looking back now, it still does that Cronkay was juggling in a lot of businesses and he goes to his son, you know what, son? That's gonna be yours one day. Go 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 and give it a go. Josh came out with Be Excited. He went to the training ground a few times, put on an Arsenal top. He had a picture with Emery here and there, a couple of the players yeah. smiling. You know, some of the fans were on string saying he cares. Please, you know, that doesn't show he, he cares. If he had cared, when he was given maybe authority over the club, like it seemed like he was given, he should have been mm. over here attending games, being more, um, being more there, full stop. Not just a voice, you know. You need to be in and around the side, squad, and you need to be acting. Now, I know Roman doesn't do that, but we are in a different position. You I know, think Roman, Roman's allowed. Yeah, not allowed anymore. Yeah, but over yeah. the years, he went less and less. But I think Josh is just a part of the same problem. And I just feel like they put yeah. a new face on it, like you said, a younger face. But I see straight through him. Um. Let's go back to the, the point about kind of the, the Ancelotti side of thing because that really interested me when you brought up what he's doing with Everton because I might have a different view in a way. I look at what he's done at Everton and I don't think... Ancelotti's not a long-term appointment at Everton. I think Everton looked at Ancelotti as like they're a club that are going to spend money, they're going to back the guy, they're going to pump money into the club to try and put them up to a different level above Arsenal into the top four and competing with those guys and that they feel that he will be the guy to help them transition through to that stage. And I see that in the signings that he's made because he's signed players that are in their prime, that have got no sell-on value, like Alan, Decore, James Rodriguez. They're all 28, 29, 30 going into those years that are going to give you results right now. So when I see that, that, that tells me that it wouldn't have been the right appointment for Arsenal because... Arsenal aren't in that position where they're going to have an owner that's going to go in and back them with all that money. So that's why I hold back on the Ancelotti things. And I'm not as, I would have been open to seeing what it would have done in the short term, but I don't see it as kind of like the long term project, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't even entertain the idea of Ancelotti, Allegri, Simeone. I can't entertain them names because, for one, we don't have the money for them. And yeah. for two, if even if we did offer them money, I believe those characters care more about their reputation than they do their pockets. And I think even if you gave them 10 million a year, 20 million a year, they'd still ask, what are you going to give us for the club? Mm. And if that's not adequate enough, I don't think they'd take the risk. So I never entertained the ideas of those names because realistically we can't. You know, I think we missed the boat in terms of that Pep and Klopp coming into England, into City and Liverpool. We missed the boat around them times where we should have got rid of Wenger a bit earlier on and gone for one of the two and maybe fully changed direction. Instead, we crawled over the line with Wenger and we've been crawling ever since. And it's going to take someone to... I don't know. I don't know, Tom. You know, you said this is a big transfer window and I've said the same thing, but you also said we always say that and yeah. I said the same thing. But 
the amount of contracts that come off this wage bill and the amount of times I've heard that the wage bill has held us back over the last two years, this yeah. has to be a big one now. It has to be because we need it. Talk to me, but I suppose this will, we'll finish the show on this point. Is the the twenty twenty one window is coming up? Realistically, what do you think it is? What's Arteta's job? Because he's going to be here no matter where we finish. If we get knocked out of the Europa, I still see him being here during this window. What's the job? What are the positions? What's the financial side of it behind it? Where we need to be investing? What's your kind of plan for twenty twenty one summer? Uh, just tackle it head on, Tom. You know, if you get if you get any sort of sniffs of similar deals to Maitland Niles to Wolves last year or Eddie and mm. Ketch at the West Ham, these are the sorts of deals we need to be taking and not dwelling on because as we've saw with both players, their value has gone down in the 12 months since. So we would have been better off. So I think things like that, you know, be a bit more confident and go for it, you know, and be a bit more ruthless and go for it too. Mm. And in terms of positions, I think we need a change at right back. I think you can do that without spending too much considering value of Bellerin and the value of some of the right-backs we're looking at. Yep. And then you've got to focus on the middle, central midfield. We need two, maybe three players at the bare minimum um, in the middle, attacking mid and two in behind to partner Partey or, or change around with Partey and Xhaka and Ceballos. Well, not Ceballos. Ceballos, hmm. I'd just let, go, let him go back to Real. Yeah. El Nene, I'd move on this summer too. Guendouzi, I'd bring back, but we still need two on top. So I think centrally is where we need to focus. Then you have Eddie and Lacazette with 12 months to go. Sort them out. And by sort them out, I mean no new contracts. Get rid. And then maybe think about Martinelli's future and is he the striker that maybe rotates with Oba moving forward? You know, that these are the things I want to mm. see in action this summer. And they're all realistic in my opinion. Are you worried about Martinelli at the moment? Are you worried about how little he's playing under Arteta? I'm not worried till I hear from him himself because I, I don't know. Martinelli seems like he's a mature guy for his age. The way he's come over here, tackled his, you know, training regime, training itself. When COVID hit, you saw him working out in his garden, doing what he has to do. Mm. I think if Arteta is protecting him, he'd understand. But if Arteta's freezing him out, then this summer we'll find out what he really wants and he will kick on. He will push for a move, in my opinion. It's going to be interesting one to kind of see where which certain players move on with players coming back from loan, how Mavropanos and Saliba are reintegrated into the team. I, I disagree on the Genduzi thing. I would personally move him on. Um, I'm not a big fan of the of him as a guy, of what he gives on the pitch, to be honest, just my view on it. Lucas Torreira is a really interesting one because I feel like if we got the Lucas Torreira that we signed and played him in the right position, he's actually a quality talent. I feel like Emery, by trying to play him in a more advanced role, kind of wrecked what we had in Torreira um, and it's not worked out at Atletico either. Um, thank you for the super chat. Uh, Jasho says, if all the Arsenal big hitting YouTubers could come together and do a 24 hour, <laughs> almost like a charity collaboration called keep Arsenal or Cronkies out, maybe it would demonstrate the fans worldwide feeling again, Jasho, I genuinely don't believe in that. Like it's a great idea to think about power with the fans, but with, as we talked about, I think there's been times where the fans have risen up and it's just not, really caught fire and it's not done not necessarily done anything but i just don't think there is enough power to make Cronky go you know what it's done more harm than good if you ask me someone that's tried to hold a protest you know yeah. on, a, on a monday morning in the summer of 2019 it done more harm than good to my drive for trying to help and fix this because even till today 
people mentioned that, try and abuse me, pretty try and put it down. And I'm a yeah. I'm a tough guy. I don't give a shit about it all. But what it has done is made me a bit hesitant in starting something else. Number one, because I feel like I can't be the face because I'm associated to AFTV or whatever it yeah. is people don't like about me. I don't really care, Tom. But it does more. Imagine me trying to do something for the club does more harm than good from the same people at the club. Crazy. Mm. That, that, that's why I'm a bit hesitant, but I feel like it needs to happen. So hopefully, you know, something does happen and and I'm always going to be a part of anything against this owner. Yeah, the hundred, and I think I'd, I agree with you in the sense that I don't see Arsenal getting back to the glory days whilst he is here. Um, I see we might get lucky in a season or two, maybe if we're very, very lucky and things go away and we do the right transfers, etc. But it's going to take a lot for that to happen. I really appreciate your time um, this evening, Turkish. I hope you've enjoyed the chat, and I hope the chat box has enjoyed your presence. Appreciate your time, mate. Yeah, no worries, man. That flew by 45 minutes. We'll definitely do it again sometime, 100%, yeah, man. I should be having some free time come up like towards the end of the month, next month. So definitely, man, we'll do something. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up, mate. Absolutely no problem. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Chatbox, if you have enjoyed it, please make sure you drop a like on the video and give Turkish a follow. I'm sure you do already, but you can go find his stuff on his channel too. I'll leave a link to that in the description. We'll be back tomorrow um, looking at something crazy to do with Arsenal, I'm sure, um, but we'll be back soon. And uh, as always, of the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.